Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast. The podcast where we talk about tabletop gaming, board games, card games, news, reviews, discussion, so many more things on this podcast. This week, we are especially talking about Gen Con 2021, the big convention in Indianapolis, which just ended a few days ago. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will. I'm excited to get to it. So we're going to get straight to this die roll. But I feel like because it's Gen Con and because of our guest, I'm going to give us advantage. Oh, great. I'm not even going to give you. <laughs> we get advantage on our podcast roll this week. Very Partially exciting. because I'm using two dice that uh-huh. I just bought there. So right. I feel like it, this is their first test. That's right. And just, just for anyone who doesn't know, of course, oh, advantage oh. means you get to roll two d20s and take the higher results. So both these dice were half black, half green, and they really wanted to show it off. You know, they still have some work to do, but 18 and 19. Wow. Ooh. Oh, man. So close to a 20, but I'm feeling good about that. So our official number this week is a 19. Uh, and indeed, it is in honor of our special guest because returning to join our party today, he is the pod father of gaming and former president of Stronghold Games. Welcome back to the show, Stephen Bonacor. Gentlemen, great to be here. By the way, my uh fighter half or character he crits on a 17 so oh, so yeah. I, that was a crit just now as far as i'm i'm assuming yeah that's right <laughs> how you doing the dice guys? new, the dice new. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah we are doing good we are i think both uh you know it's been we had a day of rest and now we're mm-hmm. getting back into it but uh this has been a busy week. How about you? I'm glad. I'm glad you had a day of rest immediately upon <laughs> upon getting back. Uh, my girlfriend and I. She made me run out to do more of the remodeling project that's going on here. And when I say like do the remodeling project, I mean just go buy things so that somebody is doing the remodeling project. We had to go out <laughs> and look at. We had to look at mirrors. We had to look at lighting fixtures. So I I've been crazy and. I have today and tomorrow, and then I immediately leave uh, on another trip. I'm going up to Pennsylvania to see like my oldest friends in the world. So no rest going on over here at uh, at the Podfather's uh, <laughs> compound. Well, we will try to make this like a little oasis for you to relax in. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. <laughs> Hopefully this will be uh, a respite from, from all that stuff. You got a lot going on, but we're just going to get right into it. Normally, you know, every week we have multiple segments and games and Kickstarter and all this stuff, but Gen Con is such a big deal, and we had some uh, also some smaller bonus episodes go out uh, throughout the weekend if people had missed those uh, go back and listen to them so this week we're really just gonna have a big old discussion about this year's Gen Con which uh, was a different kind of a Gen Con than in the last few years uh, there were a lot of of course health and safety mandates in place and there was a much smaller attendance level uh, the numbers I saw them put out were somewhere around 35,000 people which is roughly half of what it had been in 2019. So um, a much smaller presence and also uh, fewer uh, of of the publishers were there, not as many uh, giant booths to explore. But we all were there, but we we weren't able to meet up. I mean, I know people at Gen Con, when you're working, it's, it's crazy that there's a lot going on. You have to be running all over the place meeting with people, playing games. It can be very busy and uh, not always easy to find people. I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, working. <laughs> the last thing that I do now when I travel is work. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm really surprised that we didn't get a chance. Well, but I mean, you know, 
the halls are big and we just didn't see each other as we passed around the, the place. But um, yeah, yeah, we, we should have uh, tried to do that if we had a chance to, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to having this conversation about Gen Con, which of course, not only the largest North American convention, maybe, you know, at least in the top two most significant gaming conventions in the world and, and how it changed from what we knew as its massive size in 2019 to its scaled down, but still significant version of 2021. Yeah, absolutely. That is true. So uh, let me, let's start there. I, I would love to hear your thoughts as a, you know, a veteran of these shows. How did you feel about this year's Gen Con? Like in terms of, did you enjoy it and, and how it was different from years past? Yeah. So, I mean, in just a nutshell, it still was a great convention, but I'm going to take it from the beginning because I, it felt so amazing. It really felt just so, so good to be back in Indianapolis. And it started, I mean, this sounds stupid, but this is true. And I, I literally, I can go get my girlfriend right now and she'll be like, well, what is wrong with you? I got off the plane and I see, I see dozens of airports per year, but I got off the plane in Indianapolis and I was like, uh, I'm back. This is amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, Hey Paula, look, that, that used to be something else. And Oh, look, they put a bar over here. And she's like, it's an airport. What the heck's wrong with you? But <laughs> just literally from the beginning of the show of, of, of arriving there and then, you know, getting to downtown and walking through the streets of Indianapolis, which is a great city. It's got a great downtown area, which is normally so packed like during Gen Con that you can't get you. You can't get dinner reservations. You can't get into bars that you might want to go to. We just had a slightly lesser version of that, which made it much more interesting to go around and try new places and things like that. So I was excited from the moment I got there uh, and throughout the rest of the show. Yeah. I mean, it, it does feel like a, a special kind of an environment. Was this the first, uh, your first real big convention since the pandemic or have you been to other things prior to this? I think this period, like full stop, this was the first convention of any real size. So yes, for me, but yes, I think for everybody, I had been to um, a small house con, small meaning like 20 people showed up, you know, that's a lot of people that stayed over for like five days of gaming at, at someone's house out in Napa Valley. I had been to the Great Plains Gaming Festival. I was I, they, I was the very special guest of honor there. It was really wonderful. And that was in uh, in early August. That was about uh, 700, 1,000 people, something like that. So still not not a large convention. Very Call it, call it a regional convention. Um, those are the ones that I had. Oh, and the Gathering of Friends uh, up in Niagara Falls, New York, mm. uh, which is normally 450 or so people. But this year, about half that size, uh, the Europeans couldn't come. Many of the Canadians couldn't get there. So sure, this was the first real large scale convention. Uh, and, and it was fabulous. I can keep going on that, but I like want to hear some of your opinions on the whole thing too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know for me, I, uh, I, I, I agree. I think it was a great show that and there was, you know, we, the big thing that really made a difference for us, aside from just the number of people there, I think was the fact that so many big publishers 
weren't there and, and not that there uh, I don't know if it was so many but the few that didn't attend certainly are the ones that usually have some of the biggest most hyped announcements at the show that are the things that we often have to really run around like maniacs trying to get the chance to play them all so I'm thinking of Fantasy Flight Z-Man uh, Plaid Hat Games uh, and so for that reason I think for us it was while we were still running around doing a lot of things, it felt slightly more relaxed. It felt a, there was a little less pressure on no. me to get everything done. Yeah, there was there was a huge um, a hole. I'll put put it that way in air quotes uh, in the in the exhibit hall, and that was of course the big biggest companies were not there. All of Asmo Asmodee and all of their studios they yeah. they alone take up twenty percent of the hall. So they were not there. Uh, Paizo, you know, who published Pathfinder, among other yeah. things, huge company. They weren't there. Uh, Ultra Pro, pretty big company. They weren't there. Um, so it it was noticeable from that regard. Uh, the booths were, you know, smaller in general, uh, and you know because the because that big footprint in a, in a company like Fantasy Flight Games, the studio of Fantasy Flight from Asmodee. They would just take up some huge swath, like oh, right yeah. in the middle, and they'd have dozens of tables playing, you know, all of their games, old and new, uh, especially the new ones where they announced. So that was a noticeable difference. And, but just so just so people understand what it felt like when you were in the halls, it didn't. It it was definitely less people, but not like wow, there's nobody here. Not by a long shot. It was still mm -hmm. air quotes crowded, but there was a little bit of, I didn't know if you noticed this, um, an optical illusion that Gen Con smartly did. They brought the back walls. Um, they put, um, you know, pipe and drape. That's the thing that normally mm -hmm. separates all the booths. Um, you know, you, when you have these booths, they put this metal framing and then you hang the black curtains, right? That's called pipe and drape. They moved the back wall up about 25% uh, of the entire space and they added pipe and drape there so that the halls maintained a certain amount of, of, of people, like so that it still felt like it was the energy of all the people. <clears throat> there was yeah. still plenty of room for social distancing. You weren't on top of people or anything like that uh, and everybody was masked. So for all the naysayers out there who were poo-pooing people going everybody should go if they're doing the right thing they should still be going to to conventions but it's, it's important that we live our lives be vaccinated wear a mask keep clean sanitize social distance and still enjoy your life we have to do that so it, it, that energy was still there in all the halls and it was wonderful yeah we saw that there uh, i think um Funkos, like when we went to talk with them, they actually had a booth set up back there. Like you could get your own little space in case you needed to get off the show floor for that. Yeah, a few uh -oh. publishers had like these little secret meeting spaces behind <laughs> there, which was kind of cool. Uh, I, I, I like. It was definitely nice that, as you said, there was more space and stuff. I understand maybe a lot of the fears could people had, and I feel bad because I don't want people to th have to even think about that. You know, when you're like, why do I need to go to Gen Con? 
and hopefully next year that won't even be something we have to worry about. It'll literally just be, yeah, I'm going to go to Gen Con. Well, I mean, it, it's you just made an interesting kind of side point there. Why do I need to go to Gen Con? Well, you, nobody needs to be there. I mean, even sorry, pro- yes, need was not the right word. Well, probably. Well, but but it's but it's yeah, a it's a word that I want to I want to use. I mean, some 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 gamer might be like, well, why do I need to go? Well, why do I want to go? You can say it either kind of way. But the point is, you don't need to go. You you can go because you want or not. You make the decision for yourself. If to, this if your if your comfort level wasn't there. And there are a thousand reasons why that's the case, right? You you take care of elderly. You're in healthcare. I mean, there's so many reasons why you might not find it um, comfortable to go at this time. But there are plenty of reasons. And you can hear the passion in my voice and mm-hmm. how happy I was that there are good reasons to go as well. You don't. Listen, everybody's got, I don't know about you, how many games you have, you guys have in your, but I have enough games to play (laughs) for the rest of my life. I could play a game every day for, let me do a quick and dirty calculation. Uh, I can play a a new game for the rest of, you know, every day uh, for four years. I think that's the number I just came up with. In seven years, seven years, and and never repeat a game. Yeah, so I got, you know, I got like over two thousand games. It's crazy. So it doesn't. It, it you don't have to be there if you'd like to. That's great. If you want to get back and socialize with people safely, if it's your comfort level, then do it. It's it's an important thing for people to to understand that what you're comfort level is isn't necessarily somebody else's and neither side of this should be angry or finger pointing at the other i went i saw lots of people i'm healthy i'm you know i've been healthy obviously i vaccinated so um it was a great experience uh for me and i think for many of the people that went there yeah i, I will say at least from you know this is just a my own personal observation, not a like official study kind of thing. I like the number of people wearing masks correctly. I'm sure we've all seen people who have like maybe their nose sticking out or stuff. Sure. Was so much smaller than what I'm used to where I live. Was higher, you mean? Yes. Like most people outside of when they're sitting and eating and drinking seem to follow those rules pretty well. So, Jonathan, remember when I was a bit uh, pessimistic about the poll? <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the, the survey of attendees who were vaccinated and all that, yeah. I I think I might have been off. <laughs> yeah, everybody was doing the right thing uh, from, from what we could see. Everyone was masked. I mean, we were all vaccinated. Yeah, so it felt to us uh, very safe. And this maybe is the first and only year at a convention where uh, none of us got sick. Well, hold on. Wait, is, wait a That is minutes. interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, like usually every year my I, my throat gets killed and I lose my voice. And part of that is just from lack of sleep and all these things. But uh, And I did have a little bit of that at the beginning that I think was just stress-related. But by the end of the show, you know, we no, nothing happened. Everybody was was fine. And I'm like, keep, keep the masks. Let's keep doing this. And that brings me actually to my next thing I want to – ask about because uh, I think I am not alone with a lot of the people who were there this year of while it still maintained a lot of that excitement and that energy from years past, as we've said, it was a little quieter. It was, there were times when you could actually, you know, 
uh, walk through an aisle and not bump into 45 people on your way somewhere else, which was nice. Is there is next year, assuming assuming that, you know, are nothing, <laughs> the situation does not worsen and we continue on this path in the United States um, towards a further safety and everything. Do we see the next Gen Con just go right back to 2019 attendance levels? Or do we think that, is there anything that maybe Gen Con could learn from this year uh, in any regard that they might take going forward that could improve the show? Do you think? So, it's a very big question. Um, I, I am not, I'm like the most optimistic person in the world, but every time I get optimistic, things fall short. <laughs> you know, when they get optimistic about this pandemic, my sadly, uh, I'm very militant about uh, getting vaccinated. And sadly, there's just so many people who have not. So I think that this, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 in 2029. We're just going to be. Uh, this is the way, this is the new way of the world. Now, I don't think that we're going to all have to wear masks the entire time and from now until then. But this is ain't this ain't going away. So in 2022, I think it's not going to be back to 2019 levels, but I think it will continue to grow because some of the companies that did not show up. Uh, will will then decide to show up. I'll, you know, you mentioned Plaid Hat. I probably think that they'll show up next year. Uh, they're no longer part of Asthma Day, so they probably will be there. Uh, I'm going, and I, I would assume that Asthma Day will come back, but it's not a layup. They're, they spend they spend untold millions of dollars to do that show. Maybe in the end they say, you know what, it's not worth it. Can't can't predict that to any level, uh, really, right now. But what I do know is that it's a significant show and I have anecdotal, I mean, direct from the publishers that were there, that it was a very good show for them. Sales wise, that is. Um, mm -hmm. I, can I, am I allowed to say it? Sure, I can. So, so um, Smirk and Dagger Games, Kurt Covert is uh, one of the, you know, nicest guys is one of my, he is my, maybe my oldest friend in the industry. Uh, he had Smirk and Dagger before there was a stronghold before I even thought about doing stronghold. He was a staple at the New Jersey conventions cause he lives in Connecticut. And I just had a quick conversation with him and he said, Steven been coming to Gen Con for 18 years. So he's, you know, Smirk and Dagger has been around a while. Yeah. And he said, best Gen Con in 18 years. So wow. he had a new product, but that's key when you when you want when you can possibly make that statement. He had a new product. That product sold great, so he did remarkably well. Many others did. I went over to my to my buddies over at Stronghold in Indie Boards and Cards, and I asked Travis there, and I said, "Travis, so what's the sales?" I said, "You know, let me know." And he told me what the sales were, and they were very good. Not the best show ever. But a very good show, because the best show would have been when we announced Terraforming Mars. It was like pandemonium hmm. at that show. <laughs> um, but it was a very good show uh, for them as well. I Probably my guess would be in the top two to three shows, uh, for the certainly for the combined company. Um, so everybody... Is had a good show who was there. It was a great time for the smaller publishers to really shine. Well, they, no one's running to see the latest 
stuff in Fantasy Flight's line or what's that one game of the year that Days of Wonder is putting out, right? They always put yeah. out one game mm-hmm. per year, basically. <laughs> Everybody just spread out. Um, there was there was no running. Running's not allowed in the halls. Uh, they opened the doors and there was the nice, nice rush of people coming in and they fanned out nicely, took their demos and and got their got some games that they wanted to get. A very good show was had by the exhibitors. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for the fact that uh, the, you know, relatively speaking, smaller publishers had a little bit more time in the spotlight that sure. not having to focus on these other uh, on these other companies. You you mentioned an attendance number of thirty five thousand. I don't believe Gen Con has released that number. What they said, unless unless I I don't know that something that you do know. Uh, let me let me double check here. I'm pretty it. sure. I thought I saw a thing that said Gen Con said we had over thirty five thousand. Okay, Maybe I did not see else. it. This but was my a, yeah. My, you know, they um, said it was said over mm-hmm. thirty five thousand was the number. So sorry, just go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> great. Well, that's that is great to hear. So it was half approximately the size of the last one. They had mentioned that they were going to limit the number to thirty to thirty five thousand. So they maybe they went above a little bit above the 35,000 level and they had they had the space to do it and it worked out well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean it definitely was a great show uh for us that said um I think part of the issue it was great showing the spacing like you John you said uh lessons they learned Mm -hmm. I don't the the lesson of cutting the space in half because let's say hypothetically let's say within I know we said we'd talk about um, COVID till 2019, uh, not 2019, 2029. 2029. <laughs> but let's say it's down to an extremely manageable thing by 24. Just oh, in yeah. this scenario. If we s- still keep that 60 or 50% cap, like that's great if you get in the spacing, but what happens to the other 35, the other 40%, you know, who came back in, was it 2019 we hit 70? Or yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that's going to be hard to do because I think we still want to let, we want to all have fun. Um, like that's not as much of a, I think a choice to make though. There is one choice. I don't think I, unless somehow I missed it. Uh, I know we talked about Jonathan and I'm wondering what y- your thoughts are on. And that's it. That this was in September. Right, right. As opposed to August. I mean, it was um, still hot, but it was nice to be able to walk back and forth or go outside of the food trucks and not feel oppressed by the heat uh they are going back to august next year i think for a number of reasons that make sense but uh it was kind of nice to, to to have it uh, in september f- for us at least what did it have any uh, noticeable impact for you Stephen? it was it was certainly cooler that does make a big difference in uh, indianapolis it makes a big difference just about of course all over uh, i yeah they're gonna go back to august and they will leave it at August, uh, they had a problem actually putting it in September. It was over the uh, the Jewish high holy days, and right. that that was a they got some moderate backlash on that, which which uh, a number of the Jewish gamers did not come. I think that they will con- they will move it back, and it, and assuming Gen Con continues, which there's no reason to believe it won't, it'll stay uh, in early August uh, forever. There also was the uh, football game at the end, which apparently we caused problems for. Oh yeah, <laughs> on the on the on the day leaving on that Sunday, yeah, apparently some uh, 
football fans weren't able to get hotel rooms because all the gamers were taking them up. Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's just kind of funny. Uh, So we've talked a lot about the show itself and how it's changed. Let's get into the games on display and the the stuff that we did get the chance to do. Uh, Like we said before, whatever we were doing, we were running past each other, it seems like, the whole show. So I'd love to find out what, what did you spend your weekend at the show experiencing? Were there any standout new games you got to try or, or old games you tried for the first time, Stephen, or, or any other experiences you enjoyed? Well, I, I was very impressed with the uh, CGE area. Now, they CGE doesn't have a booth in the exhibit hall, but what they do is they, they have a, a gaming area on the second floor. So you got to, A, know it's there, and B, you've got to make the trip up there, so to speak, um, because not as many people go there. But they had a huge play area there. So props to them on running such an amazing, expansive – I mean, it was – I'll call it like as big as what like Asmodee does in the exhibit hall, almost. I mean, not quite that big, but it was really, really large. And I played a lot of their things, taking demos of of their games – um, the Lost Ruins of Arnak. Um, I had not played. It was it's in a fantastic, like medium weight Euro. Have you played that, guys? Oh yeah, we sure have. Oh yeah, really, really good. Excited about the expansion too. I can't wait. Uh, uh, Codenames Duet, not a new game, but we we got a chance to uh, to play that. Um, hmm, it was a, a solo game that we did a took a preview on. And I can't remember. Was that, that Under Falling was, Skies? Yeah, Under Falling Skies. We just cut, took a quick preview of it, and it looked really, really interesting. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it can be played, like, you know, cooperative, you know, with two people as well. So that's kind of cool. Mm. Uh, I, didn't get, I didn't pick that one because I picked because I got that demo late, and then, I, then we, had, we had left. But I picked up the other ones. Uh, mm. what, else, what other things did I see? Um, I played a uh, soon-to-be-released game from XYZ Games Titania Ascending. It's a cooperative flipping right, which is interesting, right? So I love rolling rights at, at Stronghold. I did like a line of like seven rolling rights, and there are more gonna come in that line as 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 time goes on. This one kind of really ratchets it up, just takes the entire kind of flipping right slash rolling right type system and brings it up a level where you've got to work together to um, explore a uh, an area, which is part of the first part of, this, of, of the game. And then the second part is when you make the attacks to try to take over the land. Um, very different, very interesting. I think we're going to be hearing about some of that because it's you know, as as we see with many new-ish game mechanics, you know, the first ones are X and then they everyone just takes it in a different direction. And that really expands expands the hobby. Think about Dominion with deck building. That was one thing. It was a, a mechanic in search of a really great game. And now people have done deck building in many, many, many different ways, making even better and better games as they went on. Those are the main ones. And, you know, most of my other experience there was socializing with people, going out, to lunches and dinners and, and hanging out with my friends in the, you know, in the industry. Um, that was, that was for me a fantastic experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you on uh, CGE for sure. They had a great presence. And also we went up there to uh, do a quick interview 
and it was just like they had the professional lights they had a whole table set up they were so ready for it like they really had uh all their stuff in order this year uh um there, there was still plenty of great stuff to see for sure i wish we got to spend as much time as uh as you said you did socializing that's usually what we have to <laughs> have to cut <laughs> to make room for all the other stuff that we do <laughs> uh but i'm bad at socializing anyway so you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably it's probably for the best in some ways. Well, what I mean, we, so we're going to have a few of our videos have come out on our YouTube channel and we have more coming out with our impressions of stuff we played throughout the rest of this week. But uh, not to put you on the spot here, Will, but is there like a do you have a favorite? Is there like a, a game of show for you or a, or a booth of show that you really enjoyed from this year's Gen Con? Hmm, booth of show. I mean, I always do like. I mean, because you already were a big fan very early on in Gen Con of uh, CGE. So I always love the idea of them having their own room. And honestly, I think that's what Asmo Day should do, or at least Fancy Flight. They're so big, they might as well just be like, look, mm. this is an easier way for us to funnel people in and out. Like as a booth, you know, you can come from all sides. Yeah, I would so like that. That was definitely a really nice one. And plus, they had a lot of, um, I always love the giant games. You know, when they have <laughs> giant versions. Yeah, those are fun. So that, that's definitely up there. I'm going through. Now I'm like in my head, I'm weaving through the the, the booths again, going through like fast forward. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Some of the things that we uh, that will will have videos coming out for in the coming weeks. Uh, we played. Uh, we saw a lot of AEG stuff. Uh, we saw Mythic games. We played the new Camel Up spinoff. We talked to Thunderworks games. We did uh, Machi Koro 2. Arcane Wonders had this game called Picture Perfect. We got to see Thunder Road, which is coming up from Restoration Games. Uh, there's an interesting one from uh, Ravensburger called Echoes, which is a, uh, an, a mystery game that uses audio cues from an app that you have, you have to listen to. Uh, plus many other just incidental booths along the way. I think, though, um, okay, I'm blanking on the name. Of the, I think it's... Uh... Yes, I think it was Mondo Mondo Games. Uh huh. They really had are. the printing press. Oh yeah, were you? Yeah. Well, how? Yeah. What was that exactly? <laughs> like they like they would make the poster on the spot. Yeah. Like literally put it in and just so that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's some fun stuff. You know, exploding kittens wasn't there either. You didn't have the uh, giant kitten booth where they were <laughs> handing out <laughs> random prizes and whatnot for pressing a big button. <laughs> well, I don't think people would be as excited to get random weird items. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, your gifts, you get masks and hand sanitizer <laughs> this year, uh, which that was also pretty good, by the way. There's hand sanitizer everywhere, which was awesome for me uh yeah i mean i'm trying to think there's stuff that i th can think that i was like most i'm most excited about from what we took home i will say i will say you know this was probably one of the smaller halls we've ever had uh and a lot of the games we took home and hopefully i, I don't hopefully this doesn't sound like bragging but, but a lot of the ones we did take home were things publishers wanted us to have to review uh usually normally Good. i feel like in other years we we spend a lot more time and money <laughs> buying the newest latest hotness games uh which i i was kind of happy about i felt, felt like there was a smaller a smaller haul uh, uh sure just uh, don't go look on our Instagram photo. <laughs> no, I've seen this, but <laughs> that's still that's small to me. I mean, well, I think like, to me, it doesn't seem like it. I think it was more of we usually have, I think, probably because 
I, I mean, not to, it just always seems to be fancy fine in my head. Like, there's a lot more bigger box games. Hmm. Like, we got, and I brought this up with you, Jonathan. I feel like, and I don't even mean, I don't think it was like even a budgeting thing, but a lot of the 20 to $30 price just seem, those games seem to just shine really well this year to me. Yeah. Well, like, let me put it this way. Uh, I bought some D20s. And that's the only time I took money out of my pocket for a game. <laughs> so for me, it was certainly reduced. Well, that's probably the only time you take any money out. I mean, you don't t- tend to carry cash on you. Well, anyways. you know what I mean. In for- in <laughs> credit card form also is money. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I just I felt a little uh, I was trying to resist the FOMO this year. And I feel like that was possible because they didn't have also those, you know, every year there's at least like five or six booths where whatever their hot game is, they have like 50 copies. And as when doors open, people are gunning for those lines. And that's one of the biggest things that I think adds to the the pressure for me every year. And I, I enjoyed not having to deal with that. And part of that might be, you know, on the downside, uh, a result of people not being able to get the games shipped that they might have been able to sell that were new or whatnot at the show. So there's a lot of factors, but like the silver lining of it, I, I enjoyed <laughs> those aspects there. Uh, now, as we said, Fantasy Flight was not at the show, but they did have a big old in-flight report still like they do every year making announcements the night before Gen Con officially started. Uh, did you get a chance to look at any of this, Stephen? And what, what do you what do you think about the their their announcements overall? Or what do you think about the idea of I'd love to hear about a more publishers doing this kind of thing where they have uh, something that's streamed online, like an official unveiling of announcements at the show? Because I feel like most board game publishers don't have that type of a of a program right now. They don't, but you you also have to realize the scale that Asmodee brings to their studios. And Fantasy Flight, by the way, has been doing this for years, so they kind of own this whole in flight thing and and the and the and the announcements uh, and the streaming and all that. But they've mm-hmm. got such clout, um, and their product line is so large that people obviously are looking for this. But one of the things I noticed, if we can jump right into to what they did here, was yeah. there isn't much. I don't, I don't want to say this in a bad way. There isn't much new here. Yeah, and this is that is not this, a bad thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, but they always they used to have these huge announcements about like a major product or multiple major products coming out, and I don't know that that what I'm looking at. From their announcements, and I just did this um, like this morning before joining the show. I don't know that much of this really qualifies as like, wow, what a great announcement they're doing because <laughs> it doesn't. And this and this is um and it's interesting. Um, I've heard people make predictions that like the way that that Asmodee is now managing the studios, they're 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 not going to be bringing out earth shadow you know obviously unless it, it is qualified there's not going to be as many earth shattering announcements for some of these studios they make money on their evergreen products they've got a lot of evergreen products so taking big risks on new completely new products i think for many companies even the biggest one is something from the past 
But I mean, they certainly have they certainly have announced a number of new things, but they come out with several. They come out with multiple new products every month. Anyway, I guess the ones that they're showing here are just some of the slightly more interesting ones for people who know what's going on, you know, within this company. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Will. yeah, that is something we've like, while I'm happy to see a bunch of the stuff here, which is why I was like, Oh, this is still here. I have complained with Jonathan a lot that, well, like, don't get me wrong. I love the Arkham horror, like card game line and stuff, but they are to me, at least are like sitting on such very good properties that could easily get like a new card game or new version. Uh, the one I always bring up that uh, Android, I always have to mix it up with not the, not the card game system. Mm -hmm, yeah. Like they, they can do it and people would be probably still very happy with them. I, they could, I, I mean, look how they didn't even say anything about the expansion at the end for outer rim. If next gen con, they're just like, we have a new Android game. That's all they said. <laughs> not if it's cooperative, not if it's deck building, not if it's competitive, not if there's traders, and it would sell out. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, so that Star Wars Outer Rim expansion was the last thing that they mentioned. Like, as you said, all we got is a box art, but it was the, from what I saw, the most hyped up people got about anything from this announcement. Uh, and you know, that's a three or four year old game at this point, but people, the people have been waiting for more additions to, but I think this, uh, what the sense I get from this is just that it, it's not just the smaller publishers, you know, it's even fantasy flight, I think is being hit by the, the, still the impact of COVID and the shipping issues that we're seeing right now, uh, that I, I don't think they had, a. You know, they didn't have anything new. And I, I actually wonder if at ever, any point it was a consideration. I'm guessing, uh, I wonder if they pushed forward the announcement of Unfathomable. Because that feels like had they saved it for this, that would have been the centerpiece of the discussion. Uh, that's such a big game and an interesting game. And it is, you know, even though it has old roots, it is a new property, technically speaking. Uh, and I wonder if they announced it early because they just didn't know or they already knew they weren't going to be at Gen Con. So they had no reason to save their big announcements for the show because what difference does it make, right? <laughs> if you're just going online. <laughs> it's, an well, yeah. it's an interesting point. I, I think that the announcement of Unfathomable, which just everyone understands, right? That's, that's Battlestar Galactica, the board game, rethemed. That's what it is. Everybody's wanted it back. Uh, I think that announcement is bigger than any one of these announcements that they put out here. Hundred yeah, percent. That, that was actually a, a big surprise. We were able to get that at the floor. Oh they yeah, pallet yeah. there. So um, that's going to be a fun review. We have Jonathan's favorite game reskinned, <laughs> and then one of my favorite themes put on a game that I'm not the as big of a fan of. So this might be both of us being somewhat sour in a weird way. So I. But we'll see if it if it gets our love. Or oh, really but, excited. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um the one but yeah, because of that though, and this goes against maybe what I just said before. Because I understand and I don't um begrudge. disagree with the begrudge them <laughs> for yeah, not sure. having too many things because I'm sort of happy just to be like, all right, there's a roadmap for some of these things. And also like some of the changes. For example, Lord of the Rings one, I know it's not the huge big thing, but it's like, oh, this is a, a nice thing. I think mm -hmm. for the LCG area, at least. Um, so I guess that it's a, it was, it's not the 
run to their booth announcement, but it's comforting at least. Yeah, I think it's it it almost sums up my feelings about this year's Gen Con as well, which is I miss the hype, but I also am pretty relieved that it's gone in other ways too. Like, you know, you, it's it's a trade-off. You you're you're trading off the excitement for uh, maybe not as much pressure and feeling like you got to play everything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a trade-off. Uh, so one of the things that I got the chance to check out during the show, uh, I don't know if Steven, you have ever actually gone to the Ennies awards ceremony at any point, but I never had. And we for once had a little bit of extra free time in our evenings and so they were holding this in a nearby hotel, and I thought, hey, let's go check it out. The Ennies are the role-playing game awards, uh, so, you know, f- celebrating the best tabletop role-playing games of the year. And it's a, a little small room. It's also broadcast on YouTube, so you can go watch it right now if you uh, missed it. And it was it was very interesting to actually see them given out, because usually, you know, we talk about them every year. I just see the, the results and the nominees printed, but... Uh, it, it was kind of cool and also a little weird <laughs> to see, uh, to see how it was done in person. Uh, there was a mixture of some people at the show who went up to accept their awards, some people who recorded, uh, pre-recorded acceptance speeches that were played after the fact. Uh, there were also some technical difficulties, but I don't know. Hopefully, I think on YouTube those didn't come across, so I think uh, people didn't notice as much. Uh, did you have any thoughts on the nominees or winners uh, of this year's Ennies? I'll, I'll just say briefly, the, the big winners were Alice is Missing, uh, Heart, the City Beneath took home several awards, uh, and Vason from Free League Publishing, who also won the award for Fan Favorite Publisher, which, which is nice. <laughs> any thoughts on any of those? Yeah, so I got to tell you, I don't, I don't really know these awards much. I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, looking through the list that they are of the, you know, best adventure, best, I'm like, ho-hum. And I don't want to, <laughs> I feel bad to say that, but <laughs> these products don't really strike me. I mean, I, they're, and they're, mo- they're, they're they're, these are role-playing games, which I, I'm into role-playing, right? Everything here based most things here are like in the role-playing genre. I mean, I see best podcast. I don't know why I didn't win. Uh, <laughs> um, but <laughs> this is more in like, in like authors, right? This is kind of like written almost stuff. Isn't, wouldn't you say that is, mm-hmm. is the case? Uh, I'm not feeling like that. This is something that most of board gamers are, are truly focused on. I mean, what yes. Yeah. I mean, certainly it's, it's, as you said, it's solely about the tabletop RPG. It, it was, and it was kind of funny being there. Uh, I didn't stay for the whole thing. And, you know, just like the Oscars and other awards, well, actually they've mixed it up in recent years, but you know, the tradition is you start off with kind of the awards nobody cares about and you yeah, build right. your way up to the big ones. So the first like 40 minutes of this thing were like best digital accessory. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know yeah. what any of these things are. Uh, where, where did they yeah. have this by the way? It's in uh, the Crown Royal, uh, the the uh, hotel, the, the the one that I believe it's also a Marriott, maybe because that's everything around there. That right. a, a few panels are held in. It all kind of looks like an old train station. I don't know. If okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know where you're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, so it's offsite. So yeah. Um, offsite. How many yeah. How many people showed up? N- not a ton. <laughs> it's a pretty small room, and it wasn't filled. I would estimate there were. 
maybe 30 or 40 people okay. in the room. There were still some chairs, you know, unfilled. And right. I would my I would love to see. I do think you're right that a lot of people I do think these are the biggest RPG awards, but okay. still people don't uh you know, that doesn't mean that much, I think, for a lot of people. And I would love to see them in future years put more put more into this and just try to make it a bigger splash and presentation wise, because uh, I do think they're valuable awards. But uh, so it was it was an interesting experience. I'm glad I went. But, yeah, there was definitely some yeah. uh, weirdness about it. Yeah. As, as I said, I'm, I'm a big role player. In fact, I'm, uh, I, I recently re got into it because when I moved to Florida, I I lost my my role playing group, but then we started. Of course, during COVID, we re reestablished it as online role playing now uh, over Zoom. And I'm now in two different games. I'm in a Pathfinder game, uh, first edition, and I'm in a D and D fifth edition game. So uh, my my um, tendencies in role playing are to go to fantasy number one. And number two, to go to the, the big established systems, I think you are correct that these are good, especially to get smaller systems and, and people who work on them a little more highlighted. So I think that's that's great. And I yeah, and I do hope that they'll get more focus on something like this, because, again, you you don't want only the biggest guys in the in the uh, in the industry to get you know, noticed by people, you, you want, we want the smaller companies to be noticed. Yeah, it is interesting. I don't think, uh, I mean, Sentinel Comics was up for some nominations, the Sentinel Comics RPG based on Sentinels of the Multiverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that, so that's like a bigger name maybe for board gamers too. But mm-hmm. I don't see, I don't think any uh, D&D or Pathfinder things were nominated. And I don't think that's intentional. It's, I don't think it's like specifically for indie games or anything. And they were releasing new adventures as far as I can recall over the past year. So um, I'm not sure if that's just a coincidence that those aren't in there, but uh, yeah. Yep. Interesting. I, I'm, I'll give a shout out to, uh, to my buddies at Renegade Game Studios. They won the gold medal in best game. Alice is missing. That's very cool for them. And I do yeah. see, as you said, Sentinel, comics the role-playing core uh rule book by greater than games these are mid-size companies uh and who have gotten into board game companies who've gotten into the role-playing area as well so happy to see them getting some notoriety here and maybe that will maybe hopefully it will affect some of their sales in a positive way yeah i'm really i'm hoping to get the chance to at some point play alice is missing because it sounds like one that I would really dig. Uh, will any of these uh, winners just jump, jump out at you for any reason? Well, uh, I mean, obviously the one you said. I know for me, one that I really enjoyed that did win, of course, now that I'm not highlighting, oh, here it is, was um, uh, Vason, one I oh, really yeah. enjoyed, got Best Monster, which I really enjoyed because it's such a, a different twist to tackling them compared mm-hmm. to like what you're used to. So I really, I really enjoy that. I wish we could play that more. I I would love, I'm definitely, I mean, maybe it's just, I'm going to feel bad now. If everyone's like, no, we do do that. And I'm just an idiot. But like <laughs> when we get back to full Gen Con, you know, when we take over the stadium and everything, like when we really spread out that there's much that um, tabletop cards, like get like, like, I know there's a, they have the whole place where magic is down and play, but like a real, like, like all the RPGs here, all the card games here, not just your magic tournament and stuff. And 
Like real, like almost like a zoo, almost like you can go to the aquarium or you can go to the (laughs) more, more larger dedicated areas for things that aren't traditional board games. I think what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be cool for everyone. Though I understand maybe this year, John, I know you said there weren't that many people. Maybe it's because a lot of people who would be RPGs are like, this is the one time I can play these RPGs in person. We're going to go do that every night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Plus, who knows different RPG designers all over the world where they are and everything. Yeah, uh, they can even get here. <laughs> yeah, Vason won a few art awards. Has some really, really great art. Uh, now, I just want to then quickly touch on a uh, well, an, an interesting and frequently frustrating topic. So, in our last week's full podcast, we talked about uh, the the whole issue with uh, Jeff Bergren and the uh, gaming goat controversy and his history as being generally from what we can tell uh just kind of an inflammatory person online at least and uh jeff bergeron was escorted out of of gen con while the gaming goat did still have a booth there and a show presence gen con made a post uh on their site stating that he would not be attending and uh, they said they appreciated those who provided information regarding the situation uh, and that they take their anti-harassment policies seriously and uh, not it was slightly vague, but it seems to imply that that is the reason the, the recent controversy that they don't want someone there who is possibly going to incite uh, issues or have arguments with people or anything like that. And everywhere you went um, outside the building, you know, there were signs up with anti-harassment messages which i I thought was a nice touch Uh, i don't know steven do you have any uh familiarity with this situation or thoughts on the way gen con handled it uh no no familiarity other than um what i heard when i was there that Mm -hmm. uh, this this person was uh removed uh and i don't even really understand the full extent of the background of this um you're showing a post on the Gen Con forums uh, for for me to review, and it it alleges now, man, this is a person posting, so I am not commenting on it. It alleges that this person's behavior, uh, rape jokes, racist comments and memes, threats, advocating bullying, um, you know, those allegations are serious, um, and if even proven in the smallest way, and I'm going to assume that they were, that there are specific things that Gen Con was able to say this and this and this, or just this, just one thing, where mm-hmm. some something like this was stated by this person, to me, get them out. That to me, you you, you do something like that, you're out. Now, now, there could be redemption in the future. I'm not going to go into that. But if somebody is, it has done something like this and it's shown someplace, that person should be escorted out. Um, I can't comment if that's the case, though, because I don't know the background. I don't follow him. I don't know him. I never met him. I think this is zero tolerance for people like this. But at the yeah. same time, at the same time, you want to make sure there's at least some amount of proof that this behavior has occurred. You don't want people with pitchforks and and torches running around saying, that person's shirt is not good. I want them out, right? I mean, extreme and stupid example, but follow what I'm saying. We can't <laughs> yeah. be witch hunters to just not like somebody 
who is an obnoxious jerk online. And I don't, you know, they're obnoxious because they're obnoxious. I don't know what they're, they're opinionated or something. Mm-hmm. So I, as long as people's behavior can be pointed to uh, as this happened, get them out. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy that he wasn't there, assuming that that is the case. But I can't comment that it is or was or whatever the case. Well, we have reported on the, the stuff and not everything, but it like the reason this whole thing is up is because I mean, and I completely agree with what you're saying earlier. You always there should always in general with everything redemption because it's we want people to improve. Yeah. But like this, all this would not have happened if he took a little step of redemption. I think early on. Granted, I think he he was already the way he talked and stuff that I didn't look too much. It was even before the event uh, involving the frog. <laughs> so, like I I understand there being proof and stuff, but like and plus it also happened very recently too. You know, it's one thing if this happened maybe a long time ago, which maybe could help show redemption. But like, yeah, no, you were you started a lot in a very short period of time over something you could have easily just apologized and said, I'm sorry. And, you know, like, I mean, we talked about in the video and like I said, what the way he decided where he, what hill he's going to die on sort of set expectations of what his personality and what he, what he believes in. Yeah. I'll just quickly for anyone who, uh, uh, hasn't heard anything. That, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, well, it's, it's all right. I'll, I'll quickly sum up that essentially there was a, a recent issue with a Kickstarter run by uh, Jeff Bergeron's uh, gaming company that had a, an image that was perceived as possibly related to uh, like white supremacy. Uh, and when asked to remove it or change it or just questioned about it, uh, he and the rest of the company really doubled down and just argued with people and made fun of people and just had a kind of not a great look. And I'll well, say in in the it, it, since then, reading more about the guy and more about his history and also the his store's history of the gaming goat as a, as a retail gaming store presence as well. I've read more and more reports of things that are, are bad situations, harmful situations, not honoring uh, customers wishes being just kind of shady in general, that the more I read into it, the more I think they did do the right thing here. But I also agree that like, like you both said chance for redemption, like, yeah, you know, you want to give people a chance and hopefully they learned something from it. But I think for this year, they did the right thing in the moment. Yeah, I do want to point out, by the way, that I think there was also some comments I don't want to say here because they're um, a, a little disturbing, but that were apparently said even before the incident. So yeah. this this wasn't just everything afterwards. Yeah. So it's an unfortunate thing, but but, you know, uh, I guess proof is in the pudding. It was a I haven't heard any reports of any any negative experiences from this year's Gen Con uh, in terms of that kind of thing. I think everybody was uh, was friendly to each other. The community was out in full force. And I the sense I got is that everybody that was there was just happy to to be there playing games again. Well, I think that actually goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. I think the goal we want to have for Gen Con is to make this as big of a, I mean, as big of a gathering as we can, you know, and try to make it, you know, a fun place to be. I want there to be, and this is where I was, I think I was going to earlier when I accidentally used the word need, as little concerns you have to think about when going there. <laughs> yeah. It, 
Gen Con and much broader, gaming needs to be as big as we can make it, as mainstream as we can make it, and as safe as we can make it for everyone. It's so important to grow the hobby. Now, I'm I'm talking about this from so many perspectives, including the publisher's hat, because if we don't expand it, we stagnate. If you don't, we don't get more people in. We're not as many companies can do as many interesting things. We have to expand. We want to be inclusive. We want to bring in the underrepresented people um, that we that we all know that are out there and that will game and will enjoy it. And we want it to be safe in any group of people, in any industry. You're going to find a bad element. It's, it, this is human nature. I worked on Wall Street for 35 years in IT. Let me tell you, I've seen a lot of really bad behavior and people Mm. have lost jobs for it there. We have such a small industry and a smaller community versus the financial industry that when something happens, it's like runs through the the, the community like wildfire. Everybody hears, hears about this. I heard about the gaming goat and I don't know this guy. Yeah. And this is like, you know, person after person after person. But that doesn't mean there's more bad people here. You know what it means? It means we have a bigger opportunity to weed out bad people because we'll hear about it and then we have a chance of getting rid of them. Excellent. We'll continue to do that. We'll continue to expand the hobby. We'll continue to make it more safe for everybody. And that can only be a great thing in the end. Oh, that that's a much better sentiment than what I was saying. I just want bigger, bigger games of two rooms and a boom. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever the motivation is, we all want the same thing. And yep. uh, I, I do think, as we said, this year's Gen Con was overall a big success. And we do it is it is very interesting, you know, being involved in this industry that, as you said, Stephen is is relatively small, and uh, it's it's a it's a tight knit community, which which can uh, be sometimes uh, sometimes a bad thing, but usually a very very good thing. And uh, also, it's it's allowed us to get to talk to and meet a lot of cool people, including you, Stephen, who I'm very Aww. grateful for you uh, to you for uh, coming back on the show and making the time to talk to us because I knew that you were the guy I wanted on to to talk about Gen Con uh, from your experience and your uh, position of expertise in the industry. So I'm glad that we got the chance to do it. Do you have any final thoughts on uh, on the Gen Con experience? And or I'll also uh, say you've earned some experience points and you can let people know where they can find you <laughs> on the Internet. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else to say because we really covered quite a bit here. Um, but if you don't mind, I thank you, first of all. Thank you really so much for having me on. I do enjoy doing these things. And uh, um, I hope that uh, my perspective has helped out, you know, in, in framing, you know, how Gen Con was and how it now stands, you know, amongst all the other conventions that we're going to have in our convent in our compressed convention season, because it really is a lot of conventions coming up really quickly. Overall, on the internets, where do you find me? First of all, um, I, I'm now known as the Podfather of Gaming, so you can find me on my YouTube channel, the Podfather of Gaming, where we actually record the video of my podcast. So not only do we have the podcast, we put it up there in a video format. And that podcast is Board Games Insider that I've been doing now for about six years with Ignacy Chevichek, the president of Portal Games. It used to be the two presidents. And now it's Ignacy talking about Portal Games 
in, in a little bit, me talking about what's going on in the industry in my life. We talk about also the news of the industry, like we like we did here a little bit, but now the extended news of everything that's happening across the industry. We take questions from our guild on Board Game Geek. We ask the audience a question every week in our playtesting segment so that you can then comment on things that we're interested to know about you. Uh, you can talk to me directly on Twitter at Podfather Gaming. Same on Instagram. Uh, I, as I mentioned, the YouTube channel is The Podfather of Gaming. And, you know, you can catch me at a convention, unlike you guys who, you know, didn't seek me out apparently, but everybody out there who, <laughs> who ends up going to a convention, seek me out. Uh, always happy to to meet with gamers. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's a good time to be a gamer. We're getting back soon. Things will loosen up, we'll continue a little bit at a time. The 2022 convention season, I'm hoping to be you know, that much bigger and better where all the companies come back again and then more gamers come back as well. Thank you guys again we, so much. We will definitely seek you out all right. uh, in the future <laughs> one. We're just not used to people wanting to actually have us meet with them. <laughs> like if it's outside of just casual stuff. I did see you a couple times, but I kind of hid my face and walked the other direction. <laughs> oh, come on. You shouldn't have. <laughs> no, That's no, funny. I would never. I would never. Uh, but yes, definitely. If you're listening, check out Board Games Insider. And uh, we'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. Speaking of Ignacio, I also forgot to ask. Did, you did um, some million dollar script while you were there, weren't you? Did you yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I should. And I, as we were talking about other things, I said, oh, God, I forgot to mention Million Dollar Script. So so this is this was great. And this is going to be put out um, on my YouTube channel and other places. I was the host for the launch party of Million Dollar Script by Portal Games. This was an amazing event where uh, this is a party game uh, from three to ten players play where um, the the two teams are pitching a script for the next blockbuster movie to the executive. That would be me. I played the executive. I was in a suit and we, the designer of this game is an actual Hollywood director. He's got credit. He's got credit. His name is Daniel Stam. You can go on to IMDB and you can check, check out his credit. He's worked on the walking dead. Uh, he's worked on, um, on, on movies as well. His, his, uh, thing is, um, is horror that genre and it went so well there were also three professional uh cinematographers videographers there that were filming this whole thing and they're going to actually cut this into like you know a digestible amount of time we did it for about an hour we played the game and then the audience went over to tables and they played the game and you do this you do this via the executives tells you okay what they need next like okay we need we need the name for the hero and what they're um and what they're what they're like and and the the cards tell you what 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 I'm looking for it's something like you know a uh, an introverted uh, ex police officer who has a deep secret that you know he doesn't want anybody to know and then you do the villain and you do the sidekick and then you go back and you talk about it it's it was an amazing experience and you know, thanks to Portal Games for, for allowing me to host it and for Daniel, the designer, and all the people that were on it with me because we had Paula Deming on as one of the players. We had Z Garcia from the Dice Tower. Fantastic group of people that were helping me you know, actually play the game. It was fantastic. 
Thank well, you for that. reminding me about that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I remembered too. And now I <laughs> now I really regret that uh, we didn't go to it. But I'm very glad it's going to be on your YouTube channel. So absolutely, uh, the Podfather of Gaming YouTube channel. It'll probably be posted somewhere around the end of the month. Let's let's call it October first when we actually see a cut of that. All right, we'll look forward to that. Uh, if you want more Roll for Crit, of course, you can find all our Gen Con coverage at RollForCrit.com. And uh, you can support us on Patreon, where we also posted some exclusive Gen Con stuff, like a bunch of photos. That's Patreon.com slash RollForCrit. Or if you like the show, just help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Um, that's going to do it, then. This has been the Roll for Crit podcast, and we had a great time talking to you. Thanks again, Stephen, for, for joining us, chatting about Thank Gen you. Con. Thank you so much. And thank you, Will, for being here also, as we both always are. <laughs> uh, as always. But until next time, and of course, next Gen Con, I'm Will. I'm Jonathan. And this has been Roll for Crit. Boom. <laughs>